We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Good evening, everybody. It's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bo with another episode of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. I'm coming to you probably about 20 minutes after the game. The Mavericks defeated the Spurs 102 to 98. Uh, it was Luka Doncic's first game back after a five-game absence. I guess four games with uh, following that kind of brutal ankle sprain that uh, we witnessed against the Miami Heat. Uh, the Mavericks notch a W, which is pretty important, but uh, there's a lot more to take away from the game than that. I'll uh, let Josh Bo take it away. Yeah, I think my overall thought of this game is it's kind of funny. I think the Mavericks played well for about eight minutes of the 48 minutes tonight, and they still somehow won, which is kind of impressive in, in, a, in a weird way and also kind of frustrating, obviously. Um it really feels like they play, you know, there was a stretch um, in the second quarter where they they got really hot and they played really well. Uh, and then there was a stretch somewhere down, you know, toward the end of the third quarter, you know, not right at the end, but, you know, kind of after the halfway point. And then there was, you know, the start of the fourth quarter. And outside of those, you know, three stretches, it really felt like they were just kind of sleepwalking through this game. Um under somewhat understandable because of the three-day layoff and it's Luca's first game back and you know Luca didn't shoot well he was 9 of 23 from the floor but obviously he was still for, for obviously working his way back into kind of a rhythm and and getting himself feeling right after what is really his first significant NBA injury I don't think he's missed 
this many game. I mean, he definitely didn't miss this many games in a row uh, his rookie season. So it, it's always interesting to see how guys respond. And he still looked. I mean, he looked like Luca, and he didn't seem completely physically hampered. He looked a little winded, you know, toward the end of the game, which is understandable as well. But uh, just kind of a, a, you know, not necessarily a, a win that you're going to want to talk about for the next couple of days, but a desperately needed win after the Toronto game. And really, I guess that's all you can you can ask for. And, and hopefully they can shake some more of the rust off and Luca can feel a little bit better and, and they can start looking to where they were looking before Luca got hurt. Yeah, there, it, if there's one thing to take away from that game for me, it's that it's another division win. The Mavericks are 7-0 and against division opponents. The Nuggets are also undefeated against their division. The Bucks are are, are the only other team. The Bucks and the Heat are, are the only two other teams in the league undefeated against their division. Those division wins are really important for you know later in the season, particularly with like the Rockets uh, in terms of tiebreaker type things. If and, you know the Mavericks are probably going to be in the thick of things for the you know in my opinion anywhere from the three to the six seed. So those those wins are pretty important to me. I, the game was ugly. The Spurs just muck things up. Uh, they play an odd style of basketball. You know, the Mavericks seem content to let you know, LaMarcus Aldridge shoot, you know, fadeaway two-point shots. And, you know, they weren't really able to get into an offensive flow because their defense wasn't great. But they were giving up, you know, they were basically forcing, you know, low-percentage shots over the long haul. So I think that that was kind of the game plan. Um, the final score does not reflect how close the game or how, how you know, basically the Mavericks were walloping the Spurs in the third parts of the third and fourth quarter. I think we should get into, you know, why uh, uh, those things happened a little later on. But in terms of, you know, the, the things I was really pleased with, it's obviously nice to see Luca looking just fine. Uh, I thought Dorian Finney-Smith played a spectacular basketball game, you know, 13 boards, or I'm sorry, 13 points and six rebounds, including an amazing putback dunk. His offensive rebounding is just so important, um, you know, in terms of what the Mavericks are looking for. They, they, they grabbed 13 offensive rebounds in the night, and those extra possessions are just so important for the long haul of things. Um, beyond that, you know, Dwight Powell had kind of an interesting game, I guess, statistically, mainly because Luca was setting him up. But this was a game, like you said, where the Mavericks won and they played pretty terribly. You know, they only shot 42% from the floor. Um, they shot bad from the free throw line. Uh, they had some pretty ugly turnovers. Um, again, I think those are things we should, you know, some of those were Luca related. Uh, uh, but, you know, I, I just glad, glad to see him back after that loss against the Raptors. You know, they need they they did need a win. Uh they looked a little loosey goosey with the ball, but Carlisle will tighten those things up as the year goes around. Um yeah, it's, I don't really have any much much more like positive really talk about. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, uh I, you know, I just gotta echo what you said about Dorian Finney Smith. Uh three or four from three tonight. He entered the night just a shade over thirty-six percent from three, which is like, man, that's like that's the magic number. If he can stay at thirty-six percent to end the season that's just a remarkable kind of progression for him and when you think about fourth year college player and then didn't shoot well you know his first two or so years in the nba and then to be able to have a, a career spike like this is is just really nice to see 
who obviously, you know, maybe, you know, me and you and, and some other bloggers and writers, we may, we might've been like, you know, we got to see something from this guy, but obviously the Mavericks have their full confidence in him and, and that th- he doesn't necessarily need to win them over. They've, they gave him a multi-year contract this summer, but it's still nice just to kind of see him uh, pay that uh, patience off a little bit. So, so he was just tremendous. Uh, overall, you know, this was kind of the game, you know, Mavs are 16 of 40 from three and the Spurs are eight of 29. When you double someone up from the three point line, I mean, it's really hard to lose, lose a game when you double uh-huh. up someone and makes, uh, from three, uh, nice to see Tim Hardaway Jr. Kind of have a, a rebound game and hit some shots and, you know, not surprising to see him hit shots because he seems to hit shots when Luca plays. So that's another huge benefit to having Luca back is it makes Tim Hardaway Jr. significantly better. I mean, it makes everyone better, but it feels like THJ has it's has the biggest hot cold when when Luca is on or off. Um, yeah, and that's kind of about it in terms of positives. I liked KP waking up in in the second half in the fourth quarter, and I tweeted this out. And Kirk, you've said this on like almost every podcast and almost every recap and everything you've written on the site that one of these nights he's going to hit an easy 40 because he's just going to make all these really good looks that he's been getting for like the last month and a half. And like tonight was another one of those nights. Like I didn't really, he took maybe one or two shots that I was like, eh, you know, I didn't, don't really like that. Otherwise everything looked good. You know, just, he just not making them. And when he starts making them like he did in the in the fourth quarter the Mavs run away with the game and you're like man this is you kind of get a glimpse and like you said like he's gonna there's gonna be a night where he makes most of those shots and he's gonna drop like 45 points and we're gonna be like oh okay there it is said uh yeah so i want to revisit that take a little bit because now that i i hope we i hope we have established our bona fides and the fact that we believe in chris Stapp's porzingis but one of the things that i've started to notice and and a particular person pointed it out to me. I'm not going to call him or her out on it, but I can't unsee it now. Chris Asperzingas does not shoot the ball the same way twice in a game. He is shooting all arm. Uh, he has very little knee bend. And the result is he's shooting kind of a flat shot that just powers at the rim. And unless his, his you know, touch is absolutely perfect, the ball is just, you know, it's, it's that's why it's looping in and out so much. Uh, it's, he, he's got some work to do. Now, I think he can get there. I definitely, this is absolutely the sort of thing where you say, okay, this is, you know, maybe going to be a next year type thing for once he gets used to the kind of shots he's, he's, he's going to get. And that's, that's, it's a little bit of a, a hedge. I do think it's possible, uh, given how well he seems to shoot from really far away. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really... It's just kind of a it's a little bit of a frustrating game to to watch, you know, dealing with the TNT broadcast and the fact that everyone from Chris Weber to Shaq to to uh Charles Barkley is just hounding on the guy to do stuff that he shouldn't be doing. Let me say that again for the folks at home. The old heads on TNT are wrong and don't know what they're talking about and have no idea why the Mavericks are winning. So that was really like like that just kind of put me in a foul mood. Because I want to be able to like more closely watch and for the things that I'm hoping that KP improve upon instead of hearing about how he needs to be, you know, demanding the ball in the post or whatever crap those old guys said. It was stuff just drove me nuts by the end of it. I know I probably took it too far, but it really just it, it makes it hard to watch the game when these guys who are supposed to be experts don't understand what the team, you know, how the team that is winning is winning. 
it's it's they, they think it's all gimmicks and they're wrong yeah and then to compound that uh, i think every time the the camera went and showed uh tim hardaway jr's dad tim hardaway senior in the crowd weber kind of spouted off going ah well uh he probably still thinks he can take his son one-on-one and it was just kind of felt really uh just kind of summed up the the weird bitterness that like the 90s generation has for the current game and uh yeah that stuff sucks uh, so I, yeah Walk me through what the heck happened in the final minutes of, of the fourth quarter. Because I, I had kind of tuned out to get ready for the podcast, and then I look up and see the maps only win by four. What is What, what went on there? Okay, brace yourself. Uh, I've got breaking news about how that went down. Uh, the opposing team, the Spurs, ran a full-court press and trap, and the Mavericks couldn't handle it. Now, I know that might be stunning news to you, but uh, once again – uh, a team, you know, the the Bucks did it in the fourth quarter. The Raptors did it, obviously, in the fourth quarter of that comeback. Spurs did it tonight. I don't know what it is, but the Mavericks cannot absolutely – they cannot handle full, full court press, and then they can't really handle traps in the backcourt. And it's bizarre, and it's so strange because, you know, obviously this is stuff that, you know, we've been – you know, if anyone's been playing basketball from middle school to high school, you know, all the way through, like that stuff is just kind of drilled into you. You always practice against that. Um, especially in high school, like we used to, that used to always be like something we would end practice with, or felt like every practice we would either, you know, be practicing uh, the a full court press or practicing going against it. And it, it's uh-huh. just weird. And it, and the the thing that really bugs me is that there's like no urgency in trying to break it. Guys are just seemingly cool with just walking the ball up the floor and then kind of inviting the trap to them and taking the double team and then trying to make a read instead of maybe trying to beat the trap before it gets to you. Uh, And it's just weird, you know, it's it's something that maybe NBA teams just don't do a lot. And so players just aren't as reactive to it as maybe we would think they should be. And Hey, you know, guys aren't robots. They're not just going to programmatically accept something new that they maybe aren't used to seeing in, in a while, but you know, after the Bucks game and after the Toronto game, like the Mavericks have this really weird issue of having double digit leads kind of flop around in the fourth quarter. And that's not something you want for a team that is, you know, they are they're going to make the playoffs. And that's not something you want to say is one of their weak points and trying to close these games off. And of course, the free throw, Luca missed two free throws and, you know, they're missing free throws. They're making really bad passes. They're making lazy reads. And it's like they turn into a completely different team in the last two minutes of games when teams decide to ratchet up the pressure and and throw traps at them. And I don't know what it's got to take. I don't know if it's a mindset or they just got to drill it more in the, in the practices that they have available to them. I know it's hard to get a lot of practice time during a regular season in the NBA, but man, I mean, we've seen this show like three or four times in the last three weeks and it's just kind of bizarre. Yeah, I, I'm really glad I didn't see it closely because otherwise I'd come in hot and heavy on this podcast. Looking at the specific Maverick turnovers, I'm told Tim Hardaway Jr. dribbled off his foot, so that's just fantastic. That one was um, out of the I, timeout, and he <laughs> grabbed the ball and just dribbled to, like Luca didn't even touch it on that on that possession. It was pretty funny. Uh, that's 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 just fantastic. I, you know, the Mavericks for I think for for. They they still probably lead the league or at least top three in terms of percentage of turnovers for possessions. So big picture, they're doing something right. But it is a little strange that they seem to be having some of these ball pressure, you know, situation 
turnover type things. They'll get it figured out. And if they don't, that'll be something that comes back to bite them in a game where it really, really matters. Um, and I think it's, it's important to me. Yeah. And I think I just want to interject and say, I think it's pretty important that they, they figure this out because if you've been watching the Rockets lately, teams are getting more blatant than ever of just like throwing two guys at Harden, even in the half court, not even in the fourth quarter, you know, when they're down, like just starting off games like the Mavericks did to Harden when they beat them earlier uh, this month, teams are going to get more brazen with that. And they're going to start doing it in the first quarter and they're going to start doing the second quarter and they're going to trap Luca more and more often as kind of the book gets written on them. So they got to figure it out because it's not going to get better. And, you know, teams are just going to watch the Mavs, how they played against the Bucks in the last minute, how they played against the Raptors in the last couple minutes and, and tonight. And teams are going to eventually take notice and they're going to keep doing it. Well, that's about all I've got. Do you got anything <laughs> else you want to add on, on this? Um. I get. I don't. I don't want to be too sour. I mean, the Mavericks did win, and it was a crucial win. But uh, something that bothered me tonight, I guess, was, and this is going to be like the most boomer take I've ever had. But it's just, it was really bizarre that when you have a historically embarrassing loss like they did against the Raptors, and we can say that, you know, they that was a terrible, terrible loss. And and like I said after that game, you know, it's a bad loss, but the Mavericks have proven that they're a good team and they'll show it and they'll get by this and they'll get through it. And Hey, they did, you know, they got to win tonight. You know, things are relatively right in Mavericks world. Again, Luke is healthy. They got to win, but you know, that loss was bad and it was really, really bad. It was, and it should have been embarrassing to the players and the coaches and everyone else. And they should have, you know, you, you would hope that they take from that. And it was so weird to watch the first quarter that they, it was almost like they had no recollection recollection of that game happening at all. Like they just kind of meandered a little bit, you know, playing with their food, you know, not necessarily this, there was just this lack of energy and this kind of lack of focus. They kind of had a couple of weird live ball turnovers and, you know, they kind of had tried to make some flashy plays. And, you know, speaking of Seth Curry had a beautiful pass to Luca, but it was, it was just so kind of weird. Like you would think that after that game, the first quarter of this game, you think they'd be playing with their heads on, you know, their hair on fire and just like something shoved up their ass and, and kind of flying around the court and, and trying to make a statement and trying to move on the, from that Toronto game as quickly as possible. And this game, they just kind of, they kind of eased into it. And, you know, maybe it doesn't help. They're a weird home team. You know, they're nine and seven at home. The AAC, AAC seems to have a weird energy in the four, in the first quarters. Like that building can get rocking, and it's gotten rocking this season a lot. And last season, you know, for Dirks last year, so it's possible. But the first quarter just has this weird energy for these home games. And I don't know if it's because it's the way the Mavs kind of feels like they're kind of sleepwalking through these games. Where on the road, it feels like they have something more to prove. Like just the, in terms of their energy and their and their concentration. It, I don't know. I'm probably reading way too much into this and I'm, I'm doing way too much like feelings and emotions and, and, and fire and passion and all this stuff. That's you know not quantifiable, but I don't know. It just, it, it rubbed me the wrong way tonight and it was good to see them eventually, you know, start the fourth quarter, you know, playing like how I thought they should have started the first quarter. You know, they really kind of pushed it to the Spurs and, and were the aggressors. So um, I don't know. I, I might be crazy. It just, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And it just kind of felt a little weird, but Hey, they got the win. Luke is healthy. So you can't complain. Right. And I think the real, the big picture takeaway from, from what all you just said in terms of the Mavericks is that they're 20 and 10 
with a lot of room to improve. That's what I keep coming back to is that they're not a finished product, and that's pretty exciting. Definitely. Okay, guys, so we got a lot of content coming down your way. We have multiple articles going up on this game tomorrow. I'm going to write on something that I, I just saw uh, a quote from Rick Carlisle. I think, you know, Josh tends to, to have thoughts after games. We have uh, a, a back-to-back game coming up, uh, the, the Golden State Warriors on uh, Saturday night. I did a uh, podcast earlier with uh, Light Years podcast uh, uh, um, creator uh sam Svendiari, who's a long a big time warriors fan then i know we play the lakers on sunday night i know uh coop jr is uh uh doing a a podcast with a special guest uh that should go up sometime this week there's gonna be a lot of content for your feed is what i'm saying a lot of content both audio and uh written word stuff so come to masmoneyball.com we appreciate the patronage uh, as always, like, subscribe, retweet, share, tell people to, uh, to, to uh, you know, listen to our stuff. We really appreciate everybody's, uh, you know, reaching out and uh, telling us how much they enjoy everything. And as always, this has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow, and we will talk to you guys later. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.